morning. Today's topic, 1979 UFO car crash and devices brought back by abductees. That's correct. First, we're looking at a UFO car crash that happened in Warren, Minnesota back in 1979. And then I want to take a look at it, just a short look at the possibility that UFO abductees have brought back devices from their abductions. Before I get into that, though, I just want to point out that uh, Tucker Carlson has a new program that's just been out. haven't watched it yet. It's behind a paywall. You have to go to Fox Nation to watch it, but it's about the UFO phenomena. And I watched the um, short preview of it that Tucker did. Uh, he has that on YouTube, about a five-minute little deal. You can go on YouTube and see that. And he talks about the fact that he just straight out accuses the federal government of hiding and covering up information about the UFO phenomena and says they've been doing it for a long time. And he's got a new program out about that. Looks like it's interesting. I might take a look at it. I'll have to see. He also he also in his in his preview, which I thought was really bold of him to do, comes right out and accuses the government of covering up cattle mutilations and he points out that these are common that happen they've happened a lot and that he asserts that they are definitely definitely UFO related and that the United States government is covering that up and I I happen to be a firm believer in the same thing as what Tucker's saying cuz we've talked about this on the show many times they have these they have these bizarre cattle mutilations happen you find these animals are drained of blood now, we've talked about how there's, what, 5 to 10 gallons of blood in one of these big cows. They're drained of blood. They have they have just, like, laser. Uh, it looks like a, almost like a laser cut, but it's actually not. A laser couldn't even do this. The way, they're, the way that the parts are cut off, the way they're mutilated. And then there's never any tracks. I mean, how, they, how the animals are subdued, we don't know about. Sometimes it looks like they're just dropped from the sky, whatever. The questions are never answered, but the one thing that always happens is is that the news media, whether it's local or national, always seems to get on board right away with the narrative of the satanic cow tippers, as I call them. Supposedly, there's this cult of cow killers running around the countryside, uh, hiking into these remote wilderness areas for days, finding these thousand-pound bulls, somehow subduing them, draining their blood, mutilating them, all without leaving a track or any sign of struggle by the animal that's been sacrificed. And it seems like every time we have one of these situations, the media the media gets on board, local law enforcement gets on board, and national law enforcement either just stays mum or gets on board somewhat with the narrative of the satanic cow tippers. And so I think it's awesome to see a national figure like Tucker Carlson come out and just call them out on this, just to show how cowardly they are being, uh, how how corrosive this is, that, that, that these things can happen, and we're not allowed to ask any questions about it. So that's just something to have on the radar. Uh, one, one more quick thing on the radar. I, I didn't link it at the website ufowarning.com, but I see where uh, John Greenwald, it seems like, was... Uh, struggling to get some more FOIA uh, requested information. Apparently, he was told that these uh, papers he had requested had 
been destroyed, and then I think he found out later maybe they hadn't been. So that's a story to keep an eye on. You know, John Greenwald is probably one of the, uh, to my mind, the guy is just super clean cut. I don't know so how anybody can call him a, a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I mean, he's just straight up a, a, a journalist as far as I'm concerned. So there's no reason for him to be denied his FOIA request. I mean, this guy is a straight up professional. Maybe I don't agree with him on every single thing. Uh, sometimes maybe he he wants a little too much proof before he'll before he'll call something out. But he does good work. I mean, he, he just does uh, so many hours of, of uh, putting up these FOIA requests. And for someone like him, who's so legitimate, has this big site, the Black Vault, totally legitimate guy, to be lied to by the government and told that they didn't have the information that he was requesting when he had every right to see it, that's disturbing. So what I'm seeing here between you know, these national figures like Tucker Carlson and John Greenwald, is that if the federal government will lie to them about the UFO phenomenon, certainly they'll lie to us. And I just think it goes to show that there's no reason to believe that we're ever going to get disclosure from the feds or the military or anything like that. Okay, I want to go ahead and get into this first story. And this is a case that I think I did talk about on the show maybe a couple, three years ago. But I came across a new article on it. I'm going to read this old article first. And I just think it's such an interesting um, thing. You have a sighting of a UFO by a law enforcement officer. There's physical damage to his car from the interaction that he had with the UFO. And it's never been adequately explained what happened. So, and we still have the car, too. So this article here comes from a site called roadsideamerica.com. And you can find the link at the website ufowarning.com. And there's lots of good pictures on this. And that's a picture of the old, uh, the old police vehicle here. And it says, UFO smacked car has been left untouched for 40 years. And it's been in this, sitting in this museum for just years and years. Its uh, title says, Car Smashed by UFO uh, by Field, Tim- Field Review by the team at RoadsideAmerica.com, Warren, Minnesota. It begins by saying, After midnight, August 27, 1979, on an empty two-lane blacktop in northwest Minnesota, Deputy Sheriff Val Johnson saw an unusual bright light. Driving at 65 mile an hour to reach it, the light suddenly zoomed head-on at Johnson's patrol car. As he later described it, what was there all of a sudden was here. He was blinded, heard the sound of breaking glass, and passed out. So it almost seems like he's had he's had a few things happening. It's almost like maybe he saw one of these orbs or bright light type orbs we talk about sometimes. They're almost like a ball of energy. And he describes how fast it was. Well, he sees it off far enough away that he feels like he needs to drive 65 mile an hour to catch up with it. But when this thing sees him coming at it, it apparently reverses course and comes back at him. So we we have the we have the uh, perception of the object. We have what seems like uh, almost a communication at some level between the officer and the object, and then we have this crash. It doesn't seem like this thing had particularly good intentions. He says he was blinded, heard the sound of breaking glass, and passed out. 
When Johnson woke up nearly forty minutes later, the car was stopped sideways halfway off the road, having somehow driven itself almost a thousand feet inexplicably. The car's electric clock and Johnson's hound and Johnson's hand wound wristwatch, which he always kept synced and on time, were both fourteen minutes slow. That that right there tells me that they had at least fourteen minutes of missing time, where it may be forty minutes, but he he's unconscious for forty minutes. We know this, and then for fourteen minutes, the clocks aren't running in that car or on his wristwatch. It says inexplicably the car's electric lock and Johnson's hand-wound wristwatch, which he always kept synced and on time, were both 14 minutes slow. Johnson, it was later found, had burned retinas from exposure to extremely bright light. He also had no idea how the car had stopped, although it left 100 feet of skid marks. A metal expert from Honeywell Labs examined the car's two weirdly bent antennas and came away puzzled. The bending, he said, seemed to have been caused by high-velocity blast of air. So if you see this car and you look at the pictures of it, like I said, you can go to ufowarning.com and you'll see the antennas are just bent over. I mean, like, not maybe halfway up or two-thirds of the way up, and they're just bent over like someone came there and just, and just like, bent them over. But they had a metallurgist just look at it and he said, no, that's not what happened. These things have been bent over as if by a high blast of wind. So this UFO or whatever it was he saw had so much energy in it that it bent the antennas on the car. Not to mention that when he hit the brakes when he saw this thing, that big old, looks like a Ford LTD, skidded about, with his head over 100 feet down the road. 100 feet of skid marks. So that tells me he was slamming the brakes on. He was really startled by this thing. Another thing is the light. His, he had retina damage. It was like it was like he'd been looking at a welder or something, an extremely bright uh, object. So this thing had a lot of energy to it. It goes on, it says, a, a perplexed export from the Ford Motor Company wrote that the car's multiple windshield cracks were caused by unknown inward and outward forces acting almost simultaneously. All of the damage to the car from the front to the back was within a straight line only one foot wide. Think about that. One foot wide. It's like this thing just shot out an energy beam toward it. Now, this is 79, but even back then, I believe, most windshields were designed to break out. So if you're, in, you're trapped in a car, you can take your foot and kick the windshield out to escape a burning car or, you know, being crushed or whatever. They're not designed to break inward. But you have to wonder, why would the damage be done going from the inside to the outside? goes on, it says, County officials wanted to fix the car and put it back on patrol. Instead, it was left untouched and displayed at the Marshall County Fair. The car proved to be so popular that Sheriff Dennis Breck donated it to Settler Square Historical Museum in Warren. It's been there ever since. The copper-collared 1977 Ford LTD is an odd counterpoint to the typical country museum relics around it an old buggy, plow, washing machine, etc. But according to Kent Broughton, president of the Historical Society, it's definitely the number one attraction at the museum. Kent, who remembers the incident when it happened, said that the car's popularity has never sagged. People come from all over, he said. Some people lay on the floor and look underneath it. 
One time, I saw a guy with a flashlight going over the car. Kent said that over the years, he's heard enough stories from locals to convince him that what happened to Johnson wasn't a hoax, but the idea that the car could harbor any undiscovered secrets at this point seems unlikely. Although the car isn't roped off, the museum prefers that its visitors look but don't touch. There's some people to this day who wonder why they don't fix it, can't sit the car. Other people, when they come, all they want to see is the car. One person who apparently would rather not see it is former Deputy Jer- Sheriff Johnson. Kent said that Johnson has never visited the car, no longer lives in the area, and prefers to keep a low profile. Sometimes we'll talk about what happened, said Kent, but for the most part, he won't. And that's another thing that we see with these with these types of cases. Sometimes the people are just so shaken up by it, or traumatized, I think, that they don't want to they don't want to uh, relive what happened. Now, there's another article on this that was written more recently that I really found interesting. This one comes from K-A-R-E I'm looking for the website at K-A-R-E 11 Extras. It's a local, it's a local website our local news outlet rather in Minnesota. And I think this article was written just maybe last month. It says, Minnesota's most notorious UFO sighting remains a mystery four decades later. Now, this has a nice little four or five minute news report that goes along with it. I got that link at ufowarning.com, ufowarning.com, and you can go there and watch that news report. It's pretty well done, actually. And while you're over at, at ufowarning.com, if you go down to the bottom of the page, on the webpage, you'll see a donate button. If you'd like to donate Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Cash, or Dogecoin, you can do that. It helps. And also, if you'd like to support the program, you can go to the Anchor website and become a sponsor. We have some sponsors, a few, not a lot, but uh, that's also extremely helpful. And as always, I'd like to say a big thank you to the folks that are doing that already. Now, the article begins by saying, Warren, Minnesota, UFOs are getting a ton of attention lately after a recent Pentagon report admits to unexplained aerial phenomena. The government can't explain it. It turns out that's what's widely believed to be among the most significant UFO sightings ever happened right here in Minnesota. August 27, 1979, in Warren, Minnesota, about 20 miles from the North Dakota border, Marshall County's Sheriff's Deputy Val Johnson was on patrol in the morning on Highway 5 when he saw a bright light to the south on Highway 220. Kudos to the person that wrote this, because right off the bat they tell you where the incident happened. They'll let you know. It's Clorperry, Minnesota, near North Dakota, off of Highway 5, on Highway 5 to Highway 220. Good job. Johnson thought maybe a crashed semi or a down plane, but as he approached it, he said the light instantly jumped through the windshield, hitting him like a 200-pound pillow, knocking him out. So the light's there, he approaches it, and he describes it as a 200-pound pillow, knocking him out. Wow. His reaction was preserved in the actual radio call to dispatch when he awoke. Dispatch operator, 407, what is your condition? Deputy Johnson, I don't know, something just hit my car. Dispatcher, What's your condition? Are you okay? Johnson, something attacked my car. I heard the gr- <clears throat> I heard the glass breaking and the locks. The brakes locked up. I don't know what's going on. According to the Sheriff's Office investigation reports, Johnson's wristwatch and the clock on the 1977 Ford LTT Cruiser stopped working for 14 minutes. Johnson said his teeth were fractured at the gum line and his eyes burned. Quote, 
My eyes were extremely painful, as if I'd been subjected to something like an arc welder burn or something, said Johnson during an interview on the 1980 TV show. That's incredible. His story and injuries mystified the nation, but there's another piece of evidence that still brings the curious to Marshall County Historical Museum, the squad car, damage and all. Quote, this is a big thing to come to see, said Sherilyn Miller, director of the Marshall County Historical Society, while showing us the actual damage to the squad car. Whatever hit him started with a broken headlight, and up here there is a weird dent on the top of the hood. Broke the windshield, hit the reflector, and bent both of the antennas. The sheriff's office back in 1979 brought out experts from the Honeywell and Ford Motor Company to examine the damage. I have not seen anything like this before, said Ford crash investigator Meredith French and in the That's Incredible show. They were extremely unusual. Dennis Breck, the Marshall County Sheriff at the time, said he took Johnson at his word. I feel that whatever Val told me about the night and the strange incident was true. I don't doubt Val in any way, said Breck in the video. The sheriff tried other means to get an answer as to what happened in Johnson. Investigative documents show he reached out to Alan Hendry, chief investigator with the Center for UFO Studies. The sheriff's office back in 1979 brought out experts from Honeywell and Ford Motor Company to examine the damage. I have not seen anything like this before, said Ford crash investigator Meredith Fitch. And then that's an incredible show. Dennis Brooke, the Marshall County Sheriff at the time, said he took Johnson at his word. Okay. I feel that whatever Val told me about the night and the strange incident was true. I doubt. I don't doubt Val anyway, said Brake in the interview. The, sh the sheriff tried other means to get an answer as to what happened to Johnson. Investigative documents show he reached out to Alan Hendry, chief investigator with the Center for UFO Studies. The biggest mystery about the Val Johnson case is trying to find one neat explanation for something that could behave that could behave the way he described it, that the kinds of damage that we discovered, said Hendry, and that's an incredible report. No one in 42 years has been able to explain what happened, including Johnson. Upon reflection, we've come to the conclusion that perhaps the creator has made other things we can't readily see or readily identify, and perhaps this is one of the things we encountered on the road, said Johnson, to a studio audience during That's Incredible. It says, then it says, where is Deputy Johnson today? People in Warren said he'd moved away and stopped doing interviews on this a while ago. We searched online and found an address for Val Johnson in Wisconsin. So we drove there, and it turns out it was the right man. We spoke with him for 20 minutes, but he did not want to go on record because of the stress and tension this has caused his family for a long time. He did, however, permit us to pass on the notion that he hopes these new UFO sightings and government reports might might give people new perspective on his story. I thought that was just an awesome little article there. But here, 40 years later, the guy still doesn't feel comfortable talking about the whole situation. That's what's that's what's really bizarre to me. Um, before we close up here, I want to take a look at just one other one other quick little article that I came across here and this is this deals with Daryl Sims now I've seen uh, some of Daryl's stuff before um, find to be a very fascinating character it seems like he's on the up and up to me for the most part at least but this one here was odd to me this article here apparently somebody has rediscovered this from a podcast the article was written 8521. So this article just came out uh, 
a couple weeks ago, and it comes from the website ufo.news, ufo.news. Once again, you can link to this article at the website ufowarning.com. Now it says, the title says, Former CIA agent reveals collection of devices from people abducted by aliens. It goes on, it says, A former operative of the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, revealed he kept a collection of devices reportedly found inside alien abduction victims. So we're talking about implants. Alien hunter and author Daryl Sims said in the 2015 podcast that he has been he has been hunting, researching, and collecting physical evidence left by alien contact and abduction. According to Sims, his work helped victims of alien abductions come to terms with their experience. Sims made the revelations during a 2015 appearance on the Into the Light podcast, elaborating on his research during the career of almost four decades. He added that he possessed the largest personal collection of artifacts extracted from humans. Sims' collection included skin and DNA samples, x-rays, sonograms, anonymous implants and artifacts, and objects with possible forensic traces. What matters is what you do prove and what you actually can determine based on available evidence. We've done 22 surgeries on people latching on alien contact and feel like they've been implanted with some type of device. And then in some of those surgeries, we've actually removed objects that were actually extraterrestrial in origin, Sims said in the podcast. Sims' interest in aliens came from his own personal experience. He himself had been abducted by aliens when he was younger. Back in 2017, Indian magazine The Week reported about Sims' experience with the extraterrestrial when he was four years old. Sims sensed a presence in his room while sleeping. He woke up to see a naked creature that stood about four feet tall, had a gray face, and had no belly button or genitalia. The former CIA agent told this week's Ansi Sunny during a telephone call, he looked like a white clown, wanted me to remember this was a bad dream of a clown. The next thing Sims remembered was that he was that it was already morning and he was safe in his room. Sims shared another experience he had with aliens. He claimed that he was once on board an unidentified flying object on top of a table underneath bright lights. Aliens who appeared to be examining Sims thrust a needle into his nose. It says the device allowed aliens to ha- have a peak at human consciousness. Sunny's 2017 report noted that some alien abductees also reported glowing skin and the appearance of implants on their bodies. They described these objects as having appeared in their bodies with no signs of cuts or incisions. Just like in the 2015 podcast, Sim said he has detected and removed these implants. He described the tiny implants as having structures similar to ceramic, plastic, or metal. Sims argued that these implants, which are usually embedded below the skin or in other body parts, were meant to explore human consciousness and alter behavior. Furthermore, Sims Sunny pointed out in her report that Sims vividly remembered seeing the alien instead of a clown. Alien abduction experts call this phenomenon screen memory, in which false memories are planted in the minds of people abducted by extraterrestrials. Sims told her that the screen memory did not work properly because I never let the fear conquer me. The first reported instance of screen memory came from New Hampshire resident Barney and Betty Hill as they were driving home during one night in September 1961. They saw a bright flying object. However, the Hills realized they had no memory of the past two hours after they saw the UFO. It was only after a series of hypnotherapy sessions that the Hills actually realized the truth that they had been abducted by aliens that night. 
Barney and Betty publicized their experience with the aliens and claimed that they were both subjected to medical examinations aboard the aliens' vehicle. The resurgence of the 2015 podcast featuring Sims came amid renewed interest in aliens, UFOs, and other extraterrestrial phenomena. The CIA declassified a number of documents related to UFOs dating from the 1980s, with author John Greenwald Jr. uploading them to Black Vault website. Greenwald managed to obtain the documents through many Freedom of Information Act requests filed over a 25-year period. The FOIA requests piled up, prompting the CIA to create a disk containing the declassified documents. Greenwald then purchased the disk in mid-2020 and finished uploading its contents of more than 2,700 pages in early 2021. He said in a statement, Although the CIA claims this is their entire declassified collection, there may be no way to entirely verify that. Wow. That kind of ties in what we were talking about at the beginning of the program with John Greenwald being denied FOIA. This thing, obviously, this UFO phenomenon is, is, is far bigger and far deeper than what most people realize. Clearly, the government has been covering this up for a long, long time. And it goes a lot deeper than just skies and the you know stars or excuse me, bright lights in the, in, in the night sky, you know, it's a lot deeper than people being mistaken about, you know, mistaken identity. We're having close contacts here. Like this, clear back to 1979, this guy, this law enforcement officer sees this bright light, turns toward it, and he's attacked by it. The car, the car is still sitting there in a museum, and you can see the damage for yourself. Still, 40 years later, the damage is not explained not explained. Forty years later, the guy's too shaken up to even still really talk about it. He doesn't want to bring anything to his... makes you wonder, maybe he got a visit from the men in black. Sometimes it seems like these really these really clear-cut cases like this where it shows uh, UFO encounters, and especially negative UFO encounters, people are traumatized by it. And then, you know, we go, we go to Daryl Sims here. He's done a lot of work with abductees, and he points out the negative side of it. I, I was listening just for a couple minutes to uh, uh, George Norrie's show. Uh, used to be uh, at, uh, After Dark or whatever. And I they had a guest lady on there, and she was interviewing an abductee. And I couldn't listen to it, because between the two of them, they were making excuses for the really terrible behavior of the aliens. This guy had been abducted and had been subjected to medical experiments. And she was she was droning on about how, well, the poor things probably didn't know they were hurting you because they're not human. You know, they couldn't be empathetic like we are. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is Stockholm Syndrome. You've been drugged onto some craft and had these painful, painful, uh, torturous experiments uh, done to you. You don't need to make excuses for the creatures that did it, okay? This is the bad side of the UFO phenomenon. You know, what Daryl Sims talks about, these implants, this is not a good thing. This is a bad thing. Uh, this police officer having his car crashed by a UFO, having his eyes damaged, you know, temporarily, thank, thankfully, and in missing time, injured in, in his vehicle. This is the bad side of the UFO. So I think we have to be adult enough about this to understand that if there's a good side, there could be a bad side, you know. Maybe the whole thing's a bad side. We don't know. But we have to approach this in an adult manner. But anyway, a couple of interesting stories I found. Um, I, I thought it was cool that this whole thing about uh, with the, with the uh, implants is popping up again because of the work that Greenwald's doing. It just shows that it, uh, these, stories are, these stories are buried in the CIA files. And so we know they're real. We have them confirmed by the people who experienced them. 
and then they've been investigated by multiple government agencies. So the phenomenon is real. There's no, there can be no doubt about that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the, I think the cover-up is also real. And it's great that people like Tucker Carlson and John Greenwald are finally pointing this out. Maybe people will really, will really um, develop an understanding of that. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Thank <music> you.